G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, supshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners, and I like the hand clap now, that's my thing, it goes on all my content, I just do hand claps. Welcome to a, another episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast on the Coaches Roundtable, joined by the boys as usual, Tom and Rowan. How are we doing, fellas? Good, man. Uh, yeah. I'm alive. We'll, I'm, I'm we'll good. let Tom good. go first, so then Rowan can just drip feed in when he's feeling a bit more energetic. Yeah, let start on a less negative note. And, um, I'll, I'll, it might hit me in a while. <laughs> Caffeine just, doesn't just work. Just keys to that point. one. Like, if you want to just like actually end up like just just butt chug that one, it might hit you a bit faster. Can you snort monster? Do you want me to try that on the podcast? <laughs> sure. Just an animal. Sure. Just you do an animal with it. Probably the um. <laughs> just find a vein and put it in straight away. Look, I'll yeah. try anything at this point. <laughs> anyway, before Rowan um, brings us down to his low energy, <laughs> it will start. It will start normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm good. Um, we've just come off the back of a mini cut, I guess, whatever you want to call it, tidy up phase um, for four weeks, I think we did. So um, the original plan was to kind of, we were at five, about 5,000. The original plan was to drop about 2,700 um, just to go a little bit more hectic and try and keep it shorter. I just, basically cut it to 2100 2100 um so basically just took out the fats as well so we're about 200 carb uh 35 or 40 fat or something and 250 pro uh did that four weeks dropped from 112 ish to 113 ish down to about 10 mid 105s um so if fairly decent chunk of weight in the four weeks um and it's done kind of what it needed to do hunger's spiked right back up um and i've kind of got over a period at work and stuff where it was just not conducive to eating a lot of food and everything um i just wasn't getting it in in time and i wasn't utilizing it properly so the cut worked well there um and dealing with injuries and shit that are finally kind of getting a bit of progress in terms of recovery and stuff. So able to push a bit more in the gym now again, which has going with the food coming back up slowly. So winning at the moment now um, after, I guess, a month or two of just kind of stagnated stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much me at the moment. That's pretty much like a, a, a good little touch point people need to understand is like, it's like not every not every cut needs to be this super drawn out like twenty week get three percent body fat shredded cut. Sometimes it's just like especially in the potentiation of growth. We're in an off season. The whole plan longevity wise is to build as much muscle in a tight condition as possible so that we can strike stage when we need to. For you, we just need to put on more size. So spending six months cutting to the ratio of six months growing is just a waste of time. So getting to the point where like and the it's like good indicators of where an off season is tapping out, right? Like, or at least that, that growth phase is kind of capped. Appetite starts to downregulate. You get fuller, easier. You're not really feeling like you're processing the food. You feel more sluggish and lethargic. It probably starts to impact training. Blood glucose goes up. Your blood pressure goes up. 
Um, your fasted resting heart rate goes up. So you start to get to the point where the body's just not tolerating more food and more growth. So you get to a point where you assess that and just go, well, given your lifestyle environment, like work was hectic for you, lifestyle things going on, um, you know, personal life areas that were like considerations and things as well. There's just a point in time where it's like, is trying to force another 200, 250, 300 calories on top of what you're already struggling going to be any more beneficial or do we just tighten up now and reassess later? Well, and that's it. And like five, like we were just under five and that's not, I've pushed six before. So yeah, it's not like we were at a cap. It just got to the point where, as you said, a lot of markers and stuff were going up um, into areas that aren't preferable. Um, and so it was just, and it just worked out to be a better time to bring it back down rather than just try and push the, push them. But so um, yeah, why we track data, right? So <laughs> Weight, weight had also kind of started to plateau a bit in that in that mid one twelve range, um, and I feel like if we kept pushing just at where we were, it would have just been body fat that was going on. Yeah, yeah. There's like it's a good crucial assessment for us too because that's the first time we've actually worked together at a long longitudinal sort of growth block. Like mostly when we started, it was more come out of a maintenance, going to cut for prep. So mm-hmm. actually seeing how you resist or where you hold this time at like a 113 marker. Like I think there was a couple of days where it was like 113 and a half, which wasn't too bad. Knowing you still had a vacuum, you still had like some deep cut abs, you still had plenty of lines, you still had very full arms and chest with detail. So, I mean, it wasn't like we were at the back end of conditioning where it's time to like rapidly cut, but it was more so if life was conducive, we could have pushed food a bit more, pushed weight a little bit harder, but it also has to be weighed up, was it? And it was kind of not. So in that instance, we can kind of reassess and go, well, next time, when life's a bit more optimal for lack of a better word, we know now we've still got plenty of room on the calorie end of things on the body fat level of things to push a little bit harder. So plenty of room in the supplementation list for us as well to use to maximize that sort of off season block before we even worry about, you know, next cut, make another 20 weeks out of this one before we look at it again. So it sucks in the time, like trying to get people to understand it sometimes like, yeah, the, the rapid cut phase sucks. It's four weeks of very low food, but I mean, I'd rather four weeks of very low food and 20 to 26 weeks of fucking heaps of food and plenty of hard training and plenty of energy for work, for life, for for training performance. Some people just, I don't know, aren't huge fans of it. I love it. Yeah, no, fuck no. I'd rather short and sharp than long and drawn out. In all areas of life, right? In and out. Fuck it. Yeah. Quick. Always quick. Always first. That didn't didn't fucking raise me to be second place. (laughs) But it's like... um. Yeah, like a prep is always going to be long regardless. So like just you have to give yourself the time to be safe with it and you don't want to be losing muscle. So you're trying at a steady rate. But so it's like it's completely different in this scenario. Yeah, I, I don't want to be feel like I'm doing a prep every year just to re-tidy back up. So yeah, that's why it's always good to like, like to kind of like finish on a touch point there is like it's it's good to always stay in at least a relatively like capped conditioning like the faster you get fat the faster you have to pull back down the more fat you put on the harder it is to put like to it becomes harder to potentiate muscle growth when the body starts to prioritize of a focus on storing fat if you're just getting fat for fat's sake it becomes a waste of time so at least staying in a relatively tight condition where you know if you hit that like 15 percent mark like, okay it's time to tidy up or for me it's more like 12 but i look softer at 12 and very bloated so i'll pull back down for you, like, even if you're like, for you, it seems to be like your 15% is very evenly distributed. So we can get away with that for a little bit longer and then pull it back down. But you still want to be in that radius where it's like, okay, any more than this is a waste of time. 
stay like at least in striking distance. So when a prep does start, we know we can pull you into 10 to 8% pretty quickly and then start the prep. Yeah. How you doing, big boy? Thumbs <laughs> <Great>. up. <laughs> Five weeks out feels good. Love life. So much energy. So little sarcasm. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, it is what it is. It's five weeks out from a show. It's never a good time to be alive. Um, but had some ups and downs over the last couple of weeks. So just focusing on each day and being better each day. And we're still, I guess, like, as you just said, we kept things in kind of relatively close striking distance for all of the off season. So even though we've had some slip ups and some ups and downs, like we're still in a pretty good spot being five weeks out. Um, And then coming home a bit early and essentially we can go into a fight camp for a month and, we need to really pull them. We can really pull, but we know that we can do it. It's just about doing it. So yeah, but yeah, hundred percent. Um, But like, let's, let's take it back and say that we don't know, right? Like we sort of just said like, you know, you know what it's like to be in a, in a training camp or in a, in a like five weeks out from show, let's say new listeners are, or people that are listening are wanting to consider preps, right? I think one of the big things is going to be a really good touch point here for us to jump in on Um and I think we'll probably do this over several episodes between all three of us when we prep next and do things is I'd like to start more of the fuller story, the fuller story, like from start to finish, but given where we are now and what experience we have, and we've all been there, um, this is where I guess it's important to have anecdotal experience plus coaching experience is a lot of people only see the, like the starting line motivation. They see the starting line excitement and that big drive at the start where it's like, you got plenty of food, body, like body fat's high, energy's high. Energy availability is quite high still. And you're living off that motivation of like, oh, I can't wait to get on stage. That's where everyone sort of lives and relishes bodybuilding, right? That's where like the true fans are like fully into it. Then we get to like where you are and all of a sudden it's like the, the reality hits that it's actually not fun. It's not this experience you hyped up online. It's not this experience that you saw on stage with the bikinis and the bedazzled jewels and the fucking dresses and gowns. Like, the suck before you get there is where most of the prep actually exists. But unfortunately, a lot of people over over overpolarize the initiation of it and then the back end of it, as in like on stage or stage day or like, you know, photo shoot day. But no one really talks about that last 10-week chunk where you're coming down in body fat, depending on phase you're in, you're either increasing training intensity, drug modalities, and trying to brush off final phases of fat mass or you're trying to avoid coming in too soon and not, you know, not overloading too hard, but also not filling too fast so you don't lose the look, trying to peak things at the right time. There's a whole lot that goes on, especially in that back sort of six weeks where it's like, this is day-to-day stuff. Like I've had some of the, our younger clients message me asking for more specifics. And I'm like, you know, for those that aren't aware, the, the I guess, true unsystemized version of the coaching becomes day-to-day assessments, right? Like we start to see, well, how are you feeling this day? How did you feel after the refeed? How did you feel two days after the refeed? How did you feel with you know, training reduction going down? How did you feel the deload? All these things start to matter and how your look might land. But a lot of people don't know that. They don't understand that stuff. They just see the hype at the start and go, I'm going to feel great the whole way through. Prep's excited. I can't wait to be that hungry. And then they get to it and they're like, this fucking sucks. I'm out. Yep. I think like the hardest bit is like, the start's great because you feel good and you got a goal, 
Mm-hmm. And so you're like, sweet, I can smash this. It's easy because you're not depleted yet. Mm-hmm. You're not that hungry. You still, you're starting to look good. You get changes almost immediately because you're coming from high food to low food. Like the first month, six weeks is great. And then it stops. Mm-hmm. And then it stops being great because then you start to get actually hungry and you start to get tired and everything starts to hurt. Like my training probably hasn't progressed at all and it's probably started to regress over the last three weeks like no matter what my intensity is at no matter how much pre-workout i take or how much caffeine i have which is a lot um it still just sits like either i'll just hit the same numbers from last week or i'll drop down a plate or i'll drop down five kilos to just try and hit my reps because i'm like for me getting more important than me trying to push any form of strength at this point um and then you get about halfway through that middle month between 12 weeks and eight weeks and it's okay. And then you hit eight weeks out and you're like, it's the hardest four weeks of your life because those four weeks are, you're not close enough to have white line fever yet. So you're not close enough to have the adrenaline of being right around the corner, but you're also at a point where if you start to fuck up now, that habit is going to build into those four weeks where it's going to matter, which is where I'm at. And that's what I reflection wise will need to change as we move forward is that four weeks, because I had habits in there that weren't conducive to what I need now. And we are now very much battling some habits that I built in those four weeks because it just is hard and it just sucks and it hurts and you're hungry and your brain stops working logically and all of those things that are sound like excuses, but until you've done it, it's very hard to realize they sound like excuses, but they're not excuses that are easy to ignore. They're not things where I'm like, ah, I just want to make my life easier. It's going to taste good. Fuck. I'll eat shit that I don't want to eat just because it's there. And I'm like, I don't even want this, but my brain's telling me it needs to eat it. Like it's just a survival thing. eh? Like, yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's that middle four weeks and then like we're right around the corner and as I said, we're going to a little mini fight camp. So that will kind of narrow it down into the goal and that's when it gets fun again because you start to see daily changes because you're lean enough and, and things get fun. But yeah, that between 12 and four weeks, that two-month block is, yeah, one, something you have to experience if you ever want to do it and two, one of the hardest things you'll ever do. I had this nice yeah. little, um, like, like Tom, I'll let you jump in in a sec. I, I had this nice little like expression I was trying to get people to understand is that everyone thinks prep is a single linear linear uh, phase, right? Everyone thinks like I start prep and I'm in prep. But when I was, I was speaking with um, some of the guys over in America is the, the true, like really looking at a prep, like if we psychologically break down a prep, you probably have three, maybe four specific phases inside a prep psychologically that all impact you quite differently. There is, like we've talk, talked about already, there's the initial starting line fever where everyone's hyped at the idea of going and like everyone's talked about it or you're motivated by last season or your last photos or whatever. So, yep, I'm all in. That might carry the first sort of like six, 10 weeks maybe where it's like, I can do this, maybe six weeks. And it's like, yeah, I can do this. I can go aggressively. I can handle that. No worries. No, no stress. I'm plenty of body fat. And then you get to that like, that phase where the rate of loss slows down or the, the body composition changes slow down or the weight's coming off. You feel hungrier, but you're not looking any, any shred more shredded. You're looking probably flatter because you're just driving glycogen depletion. You're driving food depletion. You're not actually dropping huge amounts of visible body fat. 
because the body also has to pull out from inside as well as it does outside. That's just the way it works. But then you get that middle section where the, the motivation is so low because there isn't as rapid a change as the first phase, but you aren't seeing enough lines to get you pumped and excited for the next phase or get you closer to the stage. It's like, well, this eight week, as you literally just described, that sort of like six, eight weeks in the middle, depending on how long your prep is, is that point where fuck all is happening and you're banking on the accumulation of results for the back end. In here is where I'm doing the accumulative work to build up to the success towards the back end of the whole thing. But I don't see that in the instant. And that's where a lot of people get it wrong, I think, is that not get it wrong, but I think a lot of newbies, especially to preps, is they want that instant gratification of like, oh, but if I post this photo, I'm leaner, so everyone should give me likes. Or, you know, I'm leaner now that I, like, I feel leaner and I'm hungry and my weight's down, but I don't look any leaner. Someone give me like credit or give me, you know, validation. And that tends to fuck a lot of people in there because that part is where the the excitement's gone. It's not as it's not as it's not as motivating. And then it's that back end, which you kind of just described here. And we start worrying about fatigue management, strength management, volume management. Are you just simply holding tissue because that's the key to back end of prep, brushing off fluid and fatigue, introducing food when we need to, reducing cardio if we need to, increasing cardio if we need to, where the daily changes start to add up. And then you get within that striking distance of three to four weeks, and it's like, oh fuck, motivation again. There's there are three very different phases of the exact same uh, process, which is physique preparation, but they are all significantly different mentally and motivationally compared to the to the others as to like what actually happens. Yeah, I, I look, and just to add to that, I suppose as well, like you consider that middle period, and as you mentioned, it's just like you're not seeing as much change, and you're not like you're starting to feel hungry and all that stuff that all correlates together too. So you start to lack a pump in the gym. And mm -hmm. like you said, you, so you're not looking as full, you're mm -hmm. like just feeling empty. You, It's that skinny fat phase where you just feel like shit. Don't think you look any good. And so motivation is just a non-factor. Like you have to, that's where like the discipline side of things comes into it, where you're just ticking your boxes. Mm -hmm. You're like, look, this is something I need to know. I know I need to push to maintain muscle tissue. So I have to keep my intensity high and you'd like, it's a grind that that is probably the epitome of a grind in any kind of, any kind of prep is that phase. And it's like, as you said, Rowan earlier too, the start phase, if you've been starting in a good position, you've been on high food, you're probably over eating to a degree where you're like, you can sustain that for six weeks. So you just like where your foods come down and you're, you're just comfortable eating that, but it like, it gets hungry at some point And then that's in that middle phase again. And then yeah, back end of it, you're like, okay, four weeks, I got this, whatever. The only thing I would say in that middle phase too, is that if that is a part where you really start to push, if you feel like you're a little bit behind in that, you might be not getting any refeeds or anything for weeks on end and stuff, um, which, I mean, you shouldn't go into a prep thinking that you're going to have a refeed every week anyway. But, um, like, just not having that little goal close to you can sometimes, like, just put you over the edge and be like, oh, I don't get food for, like, weeks on end or whatever. Um, it, it's just an accumulation of everything that all just seems to hit within that period of time and you need to be aware that that's going to come and to have yourself set up to know how you're going to mitigate and manage for lack of a better word those the symptoms of that stage 
Um, so whether that is through, as we previously previously talked about, um, food volumization and all your prep hacks and stuff, um, probably not fatigue management in that middle point. That's more the back end of it, but there's just ways to set your routine up and everything that you just make sure that they're like non-negotiables more or less to get you through that, that tough period. Um, and have a, I guess, a network of people that understand where you're at and don't try and just be like, oh, you can have a little bit of this. That's fine. Or a little bit of that. That's fine. Like it just does, it does not help. And don't ask how you're doing in prep. If like, if you don't understand and whatever, that's like, I know it's a normal thing, but you don't ask someone how they're doing in prep necessarily. If you're expecting them to be like, yeah, great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like if you can find, yeah. if, if it's your first time, your first season, if you can find a support network that understands that already fucking good for you, latch onto them because it takes a long time to build that network of people. But that's why you use a network like like for us, for instance, right? Oh, 100%, like yeah. coaching network or whatever, like 100%. everyone else that's prepping and stuff. Not not necessarily family and friends, because likelihood that your family and friends and stuff aren't involved in it at all and don't understand. So pick people that do understand what it's like to be hungry and fatigued and tired and all of the above. Yeah, leaning leaning into those people versus not so much pushing away, but like trying to void yourself or distance yourself. Like it's the people that understand that can guide you through it. That are the ones you should lean onto most or lean into most, whether it be coaches, other more like, you know, mentors, if you have them in terms of the bodybuilding scene or friends that have been there before at that level or been above your level, like having that, especially in those phases where things really start to get fucking hard. And like, you're pushing that next level condition. You're pushing for a placing, you're pushing for bringing your best like to stage. You need to be able to lean into them and stop like, it's one of the few times where I'm like, you can't just grunt it up and suck it up on your own. Like no man is an Island regardless of where you are. And if you're going to try and go through a prep thinking you're a hard ass or like, you know, you're a tough guy because you don't have to talk to anyone or you're not going to talk to anyone, lean on anyone. You're going to make it hard on yourself. Those middle phases where motivation is low, that back end where fatigue is high and exhaustion through the roof and like everything is food focused. That's where you need to talk to people the most, even if it's just to let them know what's going on or where you are or what you're feeling. Like, you can tell your friends only so much if they're not involved, right? You can only, you can tell them so many times that you're tired or hungry, emotional. Eventually they're just going to say, we'll stop. Or eventually they're going to say like, who will come out with us or, you know, have a beer or have a drink or have a bite to eat to them. They feel like they're being supportive. And this is where like culminating a positive or constructive prep environment is so important because you just might like, they just won't understand. And what they think is them being supportive is probably actually detrimental but you've got to be mindful of that when you start the prep. That's why we almost call it that pre-prep phase is like, who do I need to get rid of? Who do I need to get out of my system? Who do I need to get, like at least get away from in this period of time? Like everyone's had that friend or the member of the group where it's like, they are the nag to come out and get absolutely messed up or just sent to the blotto and just absolutely you know, get written off. Or it's one o'clock at night, come out. What are you doing? Why aren't you awake? The people that aren't really going to be conducive to your prep, they're the ones you've probably got to limit, especially in those middle phases where your brain's like, yeah, we're far enough away where this is a good idea. It won't hurt, but not close enough where it's like, hey, that's fucking dumb. Don't do it. Or in those phases where it's like, I am really hungry and that one little bite wouldn't hurt and that one bite turns into 10. 
Yeah, you just like, self-control loses it, yeah. That fucking, that one little bite turning into 10 is such a, like, that's the middle phase. Like, that's the epitome of it. If you put it into one cent, like, metaphor, it's a spiral phase, man. Like, it's it's so easy in that phase to, you get one thing that you enjoy eating and suddenly you can't stop eating it. The amount of food I've thrown out in the last month is mm-hmm. horrific because I'm like, I'll start it and be like, if I have any more of this, I will eat this whole thing. Like I threw out a whole thing of casein dessert because I'm like, I'll eat an entire, I will pour water into this tub and get a spoon. And I will put this in the microwave and I will sit and eat two kilos of protein. Oh, the diarrhea that would come from that. Oh, not, oh, I don't reckon it'd be diarrhea. I reckon you'd fucking clog uh, yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fucking horrid. It's yeah. It's good. I have one serving of that and I'm shitting a brick. Like, yeah. It's fucked. But yeah, it's just, it's just like, and this is the stuff that like, you know, as much as like on all of my content, I am the first person to live and breathe bodybuilding and say like, it is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a lifestyle of optimization. It's a lifestyle of one percenters. It's a lifestyle of big things that matter. But at the same time, I talk most people away from doing it because they look at the cool part of the game, which is like, Oh, I've never been in a gym before and I've died. And this girl looked really sexy, you know, like one piece bikini or a G string or a stage shot or her wings on whatever division she's in that they've come up with. And I really want that bit, but I've never even stuck to a concurrent diet before for more than two weeks without lapsing or without looking for a change or looking at a change in the process or being impatient. And the immediate like coach out there is just going, Oh yeah, I can prep you. Like, hold on, man. Like this is where actually experience. And I've learned this over the last three years, especially as working more towards with physique based athletes versus just a general population client. Even ivory assess how I view these things, because you don't just want to say yes, you want to build up to yes in time. Yes. In the process and the system. Yes. In experiencing these different phases, first and foremost, like, you know, we've kind of talked about it before we've talked on the bro, uh, uh, bros podcast. I like to get, especially newer clients experience, opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of hunger and fullness off season and uh, cuts so that they can get a taste of what's to come before they get near it. Cause if you just go zero to prep, well, I've never trained before. I've got a bit of body fat. Trust me, the amount of body fat you think you have to come off. There's another 10%, whatever you think you have to come off. There's easily another 10 kilos. That's just like a, an absolute, like just in the, the sheer arrogance that I think people have not on purpose, but just that, that overconfident ability of, I've got so much muscle under here. Like it's just waiting to be peeled back. And once I have it, I'm like, watch out for me. I'm coming for everything. And I'm like, whatever cool catchphrase title you want to put on your post. I've worked the hardest. So I'm going to be the dominant one in the room everyone here's worked hard. Shut up. Like at a certain point, you've just got to realize that there's more to come off and there's more to build. So taking the time to do it and not just saying yes, because oh, I've got the motivation of that chick's photos that I saw and she's really hot or that dude because he's got big shoulders, but I've never run gear before. I've never trained that hard before. I've never concurrently dieted or periodized my training, but I'm going to get on stage in three weeks or fucking three months. Well, that motivation's fleeting, right? That's going to disappear real quick as soon as they get hungry. So, 100%. Like, and, and like, as you said, anyone, not anyone, but realistically, any coach that had some sort of idea, in theory, could prep someone. Yeah. The variation comes in what the client's like. Yeah that client has if they listen to you 100 then by all means you probably could but they're not gonna be dead on 100 accurate with absolutely everything for the entirety of the prep no. 
So it doesn't work like that. And you can't just be robotic with it. Like not, there's very few people that can, can do it that way. Um, where it's just like, this is what you eat and that's how you're going to, you manage it and or you don't manage it. You just, you just do and deal with it. It's like, it doesn't work. So, um, it doesn't matter how many times you've done it either. It's always hard. So it's yeah. as much as we've just talked about all the hard aspects of that middle part, what would you find has helped like for you particularly at the moment, Rowan and stuff? What what's got you through those points where you've had to like reassess and jump back on the horse to kind of push along? Um, I guess like the biggest ones, just reflection as to why I do this, just sitting down and literally just journaling it out and just being like, why, why do I do this? I mean, Ben and I have had some pretty big chats as well over the last couple of weeks. Um, usually in, he would rather they happen prior, but most of the time after something goes wrong. Um, but just big chats on why we do this, why we work towards this, what we've done in the past. Um, and kind of just, yeah, bringing it back to the present and going, you know what, I choose to do this. I make each choice each day. I own each decision each day and I accept the outcome. And I think those things have been big for me over the last couple of weeks is acceptance. One acceptance that it's going to be hard and two acceptance as things have happened, because if I beat myself up over stuff that's happened prior, it's just going to spiral me even further. Um, and then accepting that, yes, it's just going to suck. And sometimes these things suck. So those two have been big and then owning the choices. Like you're sitting there and it's very easy to be like, oh, I just couldn't help it. Or I just, you know, like my brain was just telling me to do it. So I did it. You have to accept that you have to own that choice. You made that choice, no matter what that choice, whether it was working towards your goal or away from your goal. Um, you have to own that choice and then comes back to accepting that choice. But I think a big thing that I guess I wish I'd done more of over the last couple of weeks was you kind of alluded to it before is you don't have that short term goal. Um, you only have my show is six to eight weeks away. So probably would have liked to have set some shorter term goals, um, maybe not even weight wise or numbers wise or anything like that, but just developed a couple of things strategy wise to be like, cool, I want to hit this by this time, or I want to hit by the end of this week. I want to do, I want to have done this um, little mini goal or something like that. Something to drive that dopamine hit because the dopamine hit is too far away when it's eight weeks away. Um, so I think that's a something to think about moving forward as well. But yeah, reflection, self-reflection is probably the biggest thing that I've uh, has gotten me through. And then obviously the relationship and interaction with the coach as well. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, the hardest aspects for people to actually reflect on and own up to is that prep is always and forever will be a choice. Like at any point, and like, you know, I've I've been at the, the, the depths of it, even days out from a show where I'm like, fuck everyone, fuck this shit, this is fucked. And then you got to catch yourself like, yeah, you're. it's free to be depressed and miserable right now, but it also isn't like why we do it. It's not It's not making you any better as a person. It's not making you better as a coach or an athlete or a trainer. So why be a dick? Like at this point in time, I can be tired. I can be frustrated. I can take it out on people, but it's still my choice. I have every choice at any moment. Like when people say like, oh, prep is restrictive. No, no, prep is choice restrictive. At any point in a prep forever, 
you will always be able to go grab McDonald's, go grab Hungry Jack's, go grab donuts, a burger, whatever you want. No one has a gun to your head. There is no, there is no lockout situation. There's no like, I'm going to imprison you until you do what I say. You are an adult of every, of any kind where you can literally go do what you want. But those choices come with the consequence of not taking you to where we're trying to go. So it's choice restrictive. You have to be conscious of that. Unfortunately, people get this ego about them that like my heart and my choice that I'm, that I'm, that I'm wanting to make hard or the thing I'm choosing to be hard is everyone else's choice. And they have to be, they have to bend the will for me and bend reality for me and, you know, bend over backwards for me. And it's not the case. Like it's always going to be a choice. And once you accept that choice, you accept that it is hard, but it's my job to be better. Like the prep is hard. The prep is always going to be hard. It's going to be hungry, tiring, exhausting, fatiguing, frustrating. I'm not going to look how I think I'm going to look. I'm not going to, I'm going to take longer than I thought it was going to take all that shit. At the end of the day, it is my choice and it's my choice to choose this hard. And I need to accept the fact that across the entire prep, like all, even though we've talked about these three phases and you can even include the post-prep phase, you still have to accept the entire thing is difficult. There's a reason why people don't even start. There's a reason why people drop out in the middle. There's a reason why people don't finish because each phase of that has its own hard and difficult to it that people stuff up and they can't either deal with or battle with or they just, you know, it just gets the best of them. The more you fight that it will be hard and try to make it easy or try to convince yourself that it shouldn't be this hard or that, you know, I don't know, everyone else is doing X, Y, Z, but I'm doing a harder, why doesn't it work for me or some shit like that. You're going to make it harder on yourself because you haven't just accepted the fact that it's fucking hard. There is a reason 0.01% of people get on a bodybuilding stage in decent condition because it's fucking hard. It's easier to say, I don't have the genetics or the work ethic or, you know, this person got in the way or this fucking job was hard or whatever, blah, blah, blah whatever you choose in life to do well at or try to stand out with is going to be hard. That's why no one does it. If there's a gap there to do it, chances are everyone else hasn't done it for a reason. That's because it's hard. So I think that's a big issue that people seem to forget in just seeing the glamorized parts of it, which is why I think conversations like this are so important is it's fucking hard. Well, and you've like, we've had this in our conversations too, where like Doherty mentions it every time that, okay, you it, once you've made that stage, you're one of how many people that have actually has dropped out in that mm-hmm. middle stage or whatever. They haven't quite made it to the three, four week out mark where they've, where they've got that finish line in sight and they're like, nah. And like, we know people that are well ahead in terms of prep and can be that nine, 10, nine, eight week mark out and they might get sick or something. And because they've fallen in that period of time there yeah. and then they just pull out of the prep because they're like, nah, I'm sick. I'm like going to fall behind or they just feel like shit. So they're like, oh, I've got to eat all the time to like get better, whatever. And they pull out. And it's like, in reality, if they had have just managed that week or max two at like a little bit more food, maybe if they if they actually needed it um, or just a bit more recovery or whatever, they would have been perfectly fine to continue on the prep. Um, but because it falls in that middle stage where every other thing is just pushing them to eat more food or like rest more or like you need to recuperate because you're expending more than you're putting in that they just give up and like, and these are, I'm talking like there's one person I can think of that was like high level now Mm -hmm. um, that did that in a prep and he was like well ahead of time, he would have been fine and still pulled out. So because they get sick, it's like you, it's where yeah where you need i guess like a coach comes in handy in terms of um accountability and stuff as well 
So it's like, that's why people don't necessarily do that well when they prep themselves, because when things like that happen, they've got no one else to fall back to and they make irrational choices. Yeah. So it's important to have, I think like a big thing that people stand to do more of is have personal agreements with yourself. Like, like genuinely committing to the process and the entire process, the entire prep, like not just saying, yeah, I'll do this till it gets hard or like, you know, I'll do this while I'm highly motivated. Like generally sit down and have agreements with yourself. Like I'm going to finish what I start regardless of where I, regardless of where I finish up or how it ends up at the bare minimum. Like I need to prove myself that I finish where I start. Cause like I said, once you get to that back end where, you know, the slightest hiccup, a little like hip niggle or a knee niggle or a shoulder niggle or a fucking, you know, you got rained on cause you went for a walk. All these things now are basically your brain way of being like, oh yeah, no, don't keep doing this. It's time to pull out. Like people need to like really consider. Um, and like I've had several of these like metaphor analogies with uh, a couple of you guys as clients is that prep is literally, if we just simplify the fuck out of a prep, it is a purposefully chosen period of starvation in an attempt to basically kill the body until we get to a level of, of atrophied body fat that we are happy with the look and then get on stage in possibly the best potential condition we can get. But the, the, the simplified version of it is literally choosing starvation. We are starving with the intent to retain muscle. That's the best thing you're going to do with a prep. And to a point that isn't sustainable. Exactly. So you get to a position where every idea after that, it's it's not the brain trying to attack you. It's not life trying to be harder than it needs to be. It's the, the, the brain is literally trying to save you. I want you to stop doing this. Those donuts look good. That fucking restaurant that's 4Ks away smells delicious. All those things that become amplified because you're this far into literally starving yourself and the brain being like, hey, this is dumb. We should stop. That's what we're fighting against and what you have to go through. And that will include, oh, that niggle that you had or like the potential you think your boss is more angry at you than they are. So now you're fixating on that because, oh, I should probably just drop this because I might lose my job. No one's actually said that. No, your boss hasn't said that to you. You haven't had that conversation. The doctor didn't tell you to pull out because you got an injury. Your blood markers are fine. We understand that it's acute. So we know that you're not actually going to die in the next two weeks. But you think those things because, hey, this is what my brain is telling me because it wants you to stop. You're essentially becoming two different, like, two different people by that point. Your subconscious brain, what it wants you to do and what you're choosing to do. And they're very hard things to contend with that people don't really understand. They just got to get to the, like into a prep and think, oh, this will be easy. I'll finish this off. No worries. I'm, I'm, I'm conditioned enough. Like I remember I was telling one of our young guys, yeah, you're pretty far ahead for like 12 weeks out, 14 weeks, but no one banks on 14 weeks out. Like I've seen a million people shredded up to the bone at 14 weeks out. Like they've gotten more shredded than me, but the difference between me and them is I finished and I got on stage. They weren't even in contention because they dropped out. So worrying about how you look at 14 weeks or, you know, being like in that motivational phase or being pumped, then you get to that back point where shit gets hard. Like that's where you start fighting your brain every single day to do things that you don't want to do that it doesn't want to do because you have to do them to get up on stage in your best look. I think it's wild. It breaks down even from every day. You literally get to the point where you're fighting every decision. Mm -hmm. Every decision you make, your alarm goes off early. Ah, oh, fuck it. I won't do that. Mm -hmm. Um the choice between driving to work or walking 2k to work. Yeah. I'll just take, I'll take an Uber. Um, oh, I've got to do cardio or oh, stairs or bike or walk. Oh, maybe I'll just walk instead of doing the stairs. Cause it's yeah. easier. Oh, I'm walking past the grocery store and I need one thing. Oh, okay. Well now I need seven things and I don't need all of them. Mm -hmm. Like 
every decision narrows down into your brain is like, let's take the option that I want you to take. And you won't even cognitively process five of these decisions, but I'm going to make them for you. And then you're going to make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like, as I've, as we've become, I guess, more self-aware and as the the more time we do them and the more preps I do, and, and we've done a fair few as a, as a team now and like together cumulatively. So we all know that while it doesn't get easier, the way you make choices and the way you kind of look at the way your brain works gets easier and get, you at least understand why. And that's why we have these conversations because we know theoretically why our brain's doing what it's trying to do. It's just that when you're in the moment, it's hard to break away from that. Yeah. I feel like that yeah. whole sentence didn't make sense. It just kept coming out and I have no idea where it was going. It wasn't that bad. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, you just limit your choices at the end of the day, I think. Um, so it's like any, nearly any bodybuilder or person trying to get in shape would attest to this. It's like if if you know that you can't have certain type of food in the house because you'll just eat it, um, don't have it in the house, like that kind of idea. So like shop to a to a plan. So if you have sort out what you're going to eat for the week, mm-hmm. um, it's way easier, obviously, if you eat the same shit every day. Mm-hmm. And then you just buy the ingredients for basically that exact amount. And then if you are, like Rowan says, like, you can't be fucked doing things. Like I don't want to go to the shops at the best of the times, but let alone when I have no energy. So if I go to the shop once a week and then that's it, like I only have the food in my house that I can, I can't stop and potentially buy something else. Yeah. Um, that isn't going to f- meet my requirements or whatever. So I'm limiting the potential to fuck up by yeah. planning ahead and making those choices then and there. That's where I think the back end of prep, like literally like you could probably kind of narrow down prep really to very simple principles like that is you're trying to maintain as much muscle tissue as possible, control as much fatigue in the middle to start of prep so that the back end of prep is not as conducive, uh, not, uh, not conducive and is fatigue accumulative. And then you're trying to basically limit as much as possible the environments that you're in that may cause or trigger, exacerbate the subconscious actions and choices that you aren't going to think about. The more that your environment is controlled, like, and this is where, you know, people rip on like, for lack of a better word, fuck with coaches that rip on like meal plans or structured plan eating. At a certain point, even in a prep, everyone eats the same 10 to 20 foods or like you get down to narrowing your ingredient list by to like 10 ingredients, 10 things, 10, 20 things. And you structure that in a meal plan four to five times a day. That's literally what what happens. And the more you try to play with that, the more variables you create, the more choices you create, the more friction points to your strategy that you have, the more potential or uh, potentiation you have to fuck ups and to mistakes. That's going to accumulate over the day, over the week. Now, the way I like to describe it is you, as the prep goes on, we all have mental and emotional bandwidth, literally like as simple as you can put it. The, the back end of a prep, the amount of bandwidth that you're given by your provider fucking shrinks. You do not have a lot. And you're going to spend that every single day deciding whether you want to have like protein pancakes or you want to have English muffin, French toast, or you want to have like this added in and you want to try and fit this and squeeze this and cross this off here and put that there. At a certain point, having narrowed lens decisions made for you, like already mapped out, 
is going to reduce those friction points, reduce those potentiations, reduce those potentials for fuck-ups and mistakes. And that then saves you emotional capacity for something else when it is real, when it's like significant. Yeah. And that I literally becomes this. a back-end prep. You're just trying to reduce the amount of friction points and the amount of problem areas so that when a real problem does arise, you can say, okay, I've got some gas in the tank to deal with this. Yeah, and I've I've been there. I've got to that point where you're just searching for new ways to to make food different or more interesting or whatever using the same foods, but whatever. And so it's like you adjust one thing, then you've got just every other thing in your plan for that day. Mm-hmm. And it just requires you to actually like if you eat the same thing every day, you only need to track it once. And then yeah. that's your day for the, the week or whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. and you can copy paste across if that's how you do it, whatever. If you change things, you got to readjust everything and track everything, make sure you're picking the right things. And it just makes life so much like it's just adding another thing to the, the yeah. tasks you got to tick off on that fucking day. So you got you to yeah. remember like life doesn't stop, right? Like people think like, and this is where I think the unprepared mentally and physically and emotionally fuck up is they think that life stops for other people or around them because they're in a prep. Your boss doesn't care. Your job still needs to get done. Your friends don't care. Your family don't care as much as you want them to or think they do. Most of the time, like your spouse or, or significant other can only be so supportive or so so around before you're the one that has to, has to just accept decisions and make decisions. Like it's just life still goes on. No one else stops because you're in prep. They will be understanding or like comprehending or supportive, but you know they're still needing to have life exist and decisions to make and problems to deal with. So, you know, the fucking water still needs to stay on your house. The power needs to stay on your house. Your job needs to get done at work. Uh, you know, your your investment in your emotional relationships also needs to be considered. All these things, like, do you really want to spend time making it even harder by making all these friction points, these, these extra decisions and choices? Like, man, you got to the back end of prep. I knew that I was doing an hour of cardio. I was doing 15,000 steps, half of which was weighted on a vest. So I got like fucking Pokemon Go and I just subscribed to every TV list that I wanted to so that at the end of the day, I didn't have to think. I just watch a movie, do some client work, send my check-ins and just chill out. Yeah. And I like, I think with like what you're talking there, like in terms of family and everything as well, you have no right to be, you touched on this before, you have no right to be an asshole to them because they didn't pick for you to do this. You've picked it yourself. So you being an asshole around them, to them, whatever, um, it's not like they don't deserve that because you've made that choice to do the prep. Um, So that's always one thing to consider as well with with respect to that so it's a good way to ruin ruin relationships um i suppose but literally a plastic trophy yeah like don't get me wrong don't don't mistake this that you just let everyone walk all over you or not support your ambitions or goals as an athlete you still want people around you that are supportive and be picky with that but for the ones who are choosing to stay and do want to help to a certain degree you don't get away with being a dick you're already going to be dickish. Don't don't act like you get to be a dick. Yeah. Pretty much as hard as we need to make it and simplify it. I just think chats like this need to happen, especially with someone like Rowan, who's currently balls deep in it. And we've got, you know, four or five weeks left to get through to the end. Um, just because, like we said at the start, not enough people see the true behind-the-scenes stories. They just see the glitz and glamour that goes on someone's highlight reel of Instagram and Facebook or YouTube channel. Like even we were guilty, sort of guilty of it. We did a lot of detailed understanding. Like you could follow most of my prep in the documentary series because that's what we were trying to do. But 
a lot of people will just grab highlight day or grab photo shoot day or grab stage day and pretend that's prep. That's yeah. in the grand scheme of the fucking six months to 12 months, that is literally one blimp on the radar. That has fucking nothing to do with it. Everything that you do in between that is more of determining who you are and what we're achieving than what you actually did on stage. And it's funny, like that's the easy stuff. Like those days, yeah. they're the, yeah. they're the I was literally chatting to Soph about this the other day. She's like, oh, isn't show day going to be heck, like really hard? And I'm like, show day is the easy day. Everything's fucking done. I don't have to worry about shit. Yeah. I have to fucking eat a couple of rice crackers and just tell get Ben to tell me when to drink water. Like, I yeah. don't have to think at all. I've, yeah. I'm done by that point. This is the hard bit. Like, now where I don't have that, that's the hard bit. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. It's very easy to gloss over the mid part of prep when you look at it from the outside. Because, and for the most part, you would have seen in my socials, if you follow me, like, I don't post shit anymore because yeah. I don't have the time. I was going to say, that's... It's always the dark period where it's like people are just going into just that grind period where you've just you've just got to get through it and you don't feel like sharing anything because you're not feeling as confident or whatever, like as you might be outside of those times. I had to have Brooklyn um, remind me and schedule me to be like, you need to talk about this or like put this on your story because I would have just not done it. And it was like the whole point, like not the whole point to prep, but a large part of it was I wanted to show obviously the behind the scenes stuff, be more engaged with it, share more of the the actual duration and distance. And it got to a point where I was just like, I don't have the energy to think of right content, but I need to think of right content because we're not going to capture that motivation, momentum that people have seen. Like, yeah, people get, people get motivated by seeing you succeed or do something. So in that momentum building of us, you know, building a decent physique, getting a decent result as a company and as a team, like I had to like write that out and put that somewhere so that we could reflect on it or put content out or like share as a story but you just like get to the end. You're like, I don't want to fucking talk to anyone. I don't want to put that anywhere. I don't, I don't want to like write about it, but I, I've got mm. to, but I just don't want to fucking do it. And I don't want to do a podcast, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, you're bad. You're bragging, uh, begging to be on here. We didn't actually want you, but you know, I saw the photos. Like, please. That photo I said the group chat. <laughs> that was me not wanting to be here. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that's just life. That's know. life, right? It's nothing to do with prep or like the podcast. Just want to be yeah. here in general. That's very true. <laughs> yeah so i reckon in terms of basically like strategies that we would say i'd say like you obviously be planned like be planned ahead like have your weeks laid out mm-hmm. um goal setting is a big one as ron talked about so i actually have like mini goals in that process as well like mm-hmm. whether it's a weekly thing or a fortnightly thing just something that's going to get that dopamine spike that you might need or whatever um through that hard period like the last three four weeks you probably don't need them because you're close enough to the finish line you start to get food reintroduced here and there maybe Mm -hmm. Um, anything else that kind of summarizes it i think just before you start a prep before you get motivated by the glitz and glamour of it really spend time building the people around you that you want in the trench with you because like if you have the wrong opinion yeah if you just have that in a way that isn't conducive to succeeding in this game, it will fuck you up. Like, like people can have the most po- like positive intentions and just go about it in the shittiest ways. Like, like my old girl is really bad at it. She'll like see that I'm, you know, I've, I get really bad baggy eyes. I get really black eyes. I get like a sucked in face. Like I get like, I get early gaunt just from fatigue and tiredness more than because I'll still try and run business and do stuff. And she'll hit me with the like, oh, you know, you need to take time off and rest and put yourself first and, you know, 
can you come out to dinner and have chicken? We'll, we'll make sure it's like clean chicken or something. Like just things where she's trying to be understanding and is super appreciative, but at the same time, it ends up doesn't being, help. it doesn't help at all. Cause then I'm like starting to think about it. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe like, yeah, I'm a bit tired. That's taking my head out of the game now. Like, so actually taking that time before you start to preempt everyone. Hey, in this period, I don't need you saying this. I don't need you talking about this. I don't need you to invite me anywhere. I'm not offended by it. I'm not being rude, but I, I don't want to go out. I don't want to be in that circle or out late at night, missing my sleep, missing my training, whatever. Um, and, you know, just be specific with the friends you do train with, the people that are in your training environment that are going to go to the gym with you or do your cardio with you. You don't need that whole like, oh, did you see this person? They look shit like this or, you know, they could have looked better about this or you could look better than them if you do this. Like you just don't need that. I've even had some of the young guys tell me their friends have told them how to train whilst training with me. I'm like, hold on. No, no. I will take your feedback or questions on board because it's a two-way relationship. But if we're in the depths of a training phase for a prep, I don't need you to have your friend question or input a question to create doubt if you haven't run it by me first or they've actually spoke to me. Like that's not helpful to anyone. No, no. If they're if they're telling them to do more reps to get deeper lines, then they should really listen. Yeah, bro. Just just do fucking. Uh, what, what one of them was like? I can't remember. It was like, um, jerked, jerked, concentrics, slow decentrics, and I was like, we're not we're not going to touch that. But I was just like, look, give me the reasoning. I was like, if you can give me a reasoning, I'll consider it. Couldn't give me a reasoning, yeah. so I was like, okay, there's your answer. Um, but yeah, that's probably like the biggest one for me realistically is like looking at the long game of prep is just really make sure your environment friendship circles house your living living standards uh your schedule be as conducive and optimal as possible because it only gets worse things get harder you get more tired you get more lazy you want to be more lethargic you want to do less so if you've at least got the things in place to follow so that you tick those boxes as the bare minimums that at least makes sure that things are getting done and taken care of. You know, you, you don't have to stress about this friend group or that friend group. You don't have to stress about this environment. The house to take care of. It's clean, whatever. Have that stuff in a good ideal position and you'll be a lot better off. Yeah. And in terms of Rowan's position, I would say if you're like him, you should probably go off caffeine for like four weeks before a prep. So, cause you know, it's going to substantially increase as you go in prep. <laughs> At least then it might actually ever do that. Um, might actually have an effect take, for you. You want to take the only thing you enjoy in your life out, take caffeine out. <laughs> you, you can if just you can't, if you taste. can't handle a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day in a prep, then you're not doing it right and you're a pussy. You're not doing I'm enough not caffeine. You can't handle it. I'm just saying you want the caffeine to actually be a stimulant. <laughs> so just, it's like I'll just run other stimulants, Tom. Come on. <laughs> yeah just who's just got some ritalin for me <laughs> adderall what's that speed, what speed co- cocaine the... is pre-workout right oh the so stories i could share was, on that used to be in pre-workout right <laughs> um all right so to finish off with um an exciting part i guess is that the in about a week's time rome will be moving in here and we'll be going into a bit of a locked in camp, I guess, to finish things off and really drive it home. So that's going to be exciting. Um, living with two people oh, prepping going to be, be fun. Fun household for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to get like peak week. I'm just going to get my own place and just get a fucking Airbnb, put on the business card. I'll just come back home to check in on everyone. <laughs> just so you can have other... Like, I am like so flat. Like you will probably won't even know I'm there because I'll just be watching Netflix or asleep. Or I'll be doing cardio and walking. Like there's like there's only like four options at this point right now. 
I don't have the energy to be grumpy or upset. I just don't have the energy for anything. I'll remember that in your messages later when I tell you to do something and you're grumpy and I'll be like, I thought you didn't have energy for that. (laughs) Um, You would need to fucking go buy a safe, Ben, to put your food that you want in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably good for me to finish off my cut, actually, because there'll be people in the house. I'll be trying to be conscious of what food I have there so they can't have it. And I'll just... Are you still cutting? Yeah, we've like reintroduced food post-America. Um, Scaff just wants to get to like a very lean, potentiated growth position. So like we can really drive up supplementation after this and probably properly explode. I just moved up to a five-day training block. Um, supplements that are like an all-time low. And now we're like actually going to start like driving the next level of condition out so I can get like actual deep cut abs and that sort of thing that we can, we, he's also focused on my legs and lower back. He's like, I want to get those as shredded as possible. Actually see if you can, hey? Yeah. I mean, I've got, I, I stood, up, stood up the other day and I got fucking like veins in my hamstrings. I was like, where was this on stage? I'm not even like lean yet. I'd like square well, I haven't glutes. sent you the gay ass photo that I took this morning. Fuck. I should have sent you that before this. Yeah. That's another thing people need to get used to if you have a coach is that you'll start sending real gay photos. Yeah. And what I choose to do them is my business. <laughs> there is a secret folder on Ben's phone. <laughs> it's not bodybuilding related at all. That he wants for later. I didn't even know Rome was a competitor. <laughs> Everyone uh, follow really my close friends on Instagram. And <laughs> all right, let's leave it there so Rome can go die and I can get some uni done. Yeah, appreciate you guys um everyone make sure that you are following along subscribe we're going to do some big content for prep days for everyone so we've got our media team booked in again to get that happening um and then once rowan's up here we're going to try and get a shitload of just training content modality content stuff like that behind the scenes so make sure you're following along subscribe like follow leave a comment send her on a dick pic i don't know whatever you want to do Yeah, What's that? We love comparison and feeling inferior. So <laughs> you can see a clitoris and you'll feel inferior. <laughs> hey, exciting news. It's still been working. I must be running enough gear. <laughs> well, uh, you're definitely not lean enough then. <laughs> Time to get more hungry. <laughs> Ben's Ben's reasoning for assessment of reducing calories next week. Rowan's dick still worked. Yeah, I hope it's it still not, not falling asleep midwink. Yeah, no falling asleep midwink. That's when you know you're really hungry and lean. No, I need it to work next week when I'm up with you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna end it there. All right, guys, we should probably end it five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's staying. I don't care. The whole thing's staying in. We don't add shit. All authentic. <laughs> All right, catch you guys. <laughs>